just leave that there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, good morning, Parkway. My name is Bill Pardue. I'm a teaching elder at First Presbyterian Church in Rome, Georgia, which is not too far uh, here. Uh, head to Cartersville and head on over to Canton, and I was here in a hop, skip, and a jump. Uh, but glad to be with you. It was great being a part of the early service this morning. Also uh, participated in a Sunday school class. It was great uh, being a part of that as well. And so here I am with the 11 a.m. service. Uh, let me tell you, I do have a wife, uh, Shanna. She and I have been married for about 15 years uh, now. Better make sure I get that right. Uh, we've got two kids, uh, a daughter, Lizzie, who's uh, 12 years old, and a son, Sam, who's uh, 10 years old. And so I um, also get to serve our great presbytery together. This is actually my third trip to uh, Parkway Presbyterian. I was here a couple months ago to help moderate your session meeting, and then a couple of years back when you guys hosted Presbytery, I was also uh, here uh, moderating our Presbytery meeting. And so I'm uh, very thankful to be with you. I do believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Um, I do believe that He that is in us is greater than He that is in the world. And I believe that God speaks to his people and shapes his people primarily through the preaching of his word and the Spirit's work in helping us to receive that. And so please uh, pray for me uh, as I uh, seek uh, to present God's word to you this morning. We are going to be in the book of Numbers um, and uh, specifically Numbers 13 and 14. If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, that would be great. Uh, and please keep that open as we'll be referring to some verses along the way. Uh, the reason why we're looking at Numbers today, um, really uh, I wish I could say it has uh, something to do with Parkway, <laughs> but it really has to do more with the sermon series that I'm leading our church through uh, at First Presbyterian uh, I told our church uh, back home, uh, how many of you do a Bible reading plan uh, where you read through the Bible in a year? Great. Well, if there's ever a book that ends up destroying a Bible reading plan, it's the book of Numbers, right? Uh, but what I've encouraged our church with is just this idea that Numbers is much more than Numbers. That in Numbers, we meet the God who meets us in our journey of faith, in the beauty, in the brokenness of life that we experience with the greatness of who He is and what He has done. And, and so, Parkway, I hope that we can meet that God this morning uh, here in Numbers. If you would, in honor of God's Word, would you stand with me as uh, we read Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 25. This is God's Word for you and for me this morning, church. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land, and they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit, however... The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak here. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. 
and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. In chapter 14, verse 1, Then all the congregation raised a a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then they said to one another, let's choose a a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephna, who were among them who had spied out the land. They tore their clothes and they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, here your people have gathered in this place, and we're praying that your glory would be displayed to us. Father, we pray by your Spirit that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would have us know from your Word this morning. And Father, beyond that, would you give us a heart that would be responsive to this, your message. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. One author defines character this way. He says that circumstances don't dictate your character. They reveal your character. And when failure comes, the Lord gives you the opportunity to refine your character. Notice that he didn't say if failure comes. But when failure comes, God gives you the opportunity to reflect and to refine upon your character. The word fail is a word that I want us to think about this morning And the reason why is this word has taken on a a kind of a new meaning in my lifetime. You see, when I was growing up, the word fail 
just uh, simply meant to be unsuccessful in achieving a goal. Unfortunately, that happened a lot for me in grammar school (laughs) and in high school, right? But this word fail has taken on kind of a nuanced meaning in our culture today. Especially when it comes to social media. Maybe you're familiar with the hashtag fail. The word fail today doesn't mean just to be unsuccessful in achieving your goal, but to be unsuccessful in a way that kind of is humiliating (laughs) or in a way that kind of brings self-inflicted pain to yourself. When I was growing up, we called this America's Funniest Home Videos. Do you remember that TV show? That's a great example of this idea of fail. Now, in our day and age, there's all these different YouTube videos that show uh, wedding fails, you know, when the bride accidentally falls into the ocean, or you know, all these different types of fails. But if you will, just think about it this way. A fail would be like someone diving off a diving board trying to do a, a flip. And instead of flipping, they over-rotate and they do a belly flop. I would call that a fail. Now, there's another category of fail that I want to introduce you to this morning. And that category would be the epic fail. This would be like someone trying to dive off a diving board. But instead, the diving board breaks... They fall back, they knock their head, they are unconscious, somebody has to rescue them out of the pool, ambulance comes, they take them to the hospital, they spend the night. That would be an example of an epic fail. Now the reason I bring that to your attention this morning, Parkway, is this. As we come to the scriptures, we not only find fails, but we also find some epic fails. If you think about some of the fails that we encounter in the scriptures, Maybe things like David and Bathsheba, right, come to mind. Or how about the Apostle Peter denying Jesus three times? We call those a fail, right? But there are also some epic failures, ones that kind of rise to a whole other category, like a fail on steroids, right? Maybe we would mention things like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? I would say that that rises to the level of an epic fail. I'm actually going to share three epic fails with you this morning. I'm going to save the last one for the end. But the one that I want to draw your attention to this morning is the one in our text. You see, Numbers 13 and 14 is an epic failure. And don't just take my word for that. The reason I think it rises to the level of an epic failure is because the Scriptures say that it does. Did you know that all of the Gospel writers, all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them refer to this event that we just read. And they all refer to it in a very negative way. The writer of Hebrews spends an entire chapter talking about this epic failure. The Apostle Paul speaks to it very extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Church, it's like the Scriptures have this big red arrow that are pointing to this event. And if if that's the case, don't you think it's important for us not only to know it, but to also understand what's happening there? 
but not only to understand what's happening there, but to allow this event maybe to shape us, maybe to help us think about our failure, and also to rejoice in the God who meets us in our failure with his saving grace and his sanctifying grace. It's that God that we want to look at this morning as it comes to us in our passage. Before I do that, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. One place in the New Testament where this event is written about pretty extensively. I'll let you on your own time read the opening passages there, but I'm just going to ask that you trust me that the Apostle Paul really sets the stage for what happened to God's people in the book of Numbers. But I want you to look at verse 11. Look with me at, at verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this, Now these things, what things is he talking about? Well, you can go back and read, but he's talking about the book of Numbers and the failure, the epic failure of God's people. He says, these things happened to them, God's people in Numbers, as an example. So God was trying to, to teach them something there. But notice what he goes on to say. But that was written down for our instruction. On whom the end of the ages has come. You know what Paul does there? He takes this event and he hits fast forward. <laughs> and he says, this event that occurred in the past has great relevance on your life today. Church, I believe that's not only true for the Corinthians, I believe it's true for the Parkwayans. <laughs> right? I think that Moses wrote this down in numbers for God's people that would come after so that they might learn from this event. And I think the same thing is true for us today. That we might see this event and that we might be kind of shaped by it. And so how might God want us to be shaped by what we're seeing in an epic failure? Well, if I had to summarize this morning's message in one sentence, it would be this. Here's the 20-second version. I'm going to give you the 20-second version and then I'm going to give you the 20-minute version. Okay? Here's the 20-second version. My response to the opposition and obstacles that I encounter